Hi, and welcome to a new episode of the Science Communication Accelerator podcast. Today, about how to get newspapers to take up your research with Andrea Tildnes. Journalists, they, like most news journalists, are really, really busy. So you need to catch their attention fast. And then you always have these really long titles on all your projects and all your universities. And then, then he needed to go into a meeting and he didn't even really read your email. After a little bit of chit-chat, what we're going to talk about and what you're going to learn are two main things. First, what does it take for an article to be published in a newspaper? And second, what do reporters like when they get suggestions for specific articles and how can you increase the likelihood that your article is actually being published? All right, let's go. Welcome to the Science Communication Accelerator podcast. Today, uh, with an episode on how to get newspapers to pick up your research. You all know that there's two ways of how you can actually communicate your science to the public, and that is, on the one hand, you can build up your own reach. Uh, you cannot build up your own reach, but obviously, there are newspapers and there are uh, TV channels and all of them, and you could also maybe take advantage of these in order to get your research out there. But it is not that easy. But there are some insights that we would like to share with you and. And I'm not alone in this nice studio here on Dragwell Campus at NTNU, but I have a lovely guest with me. She studied journalism. She used to be communication uh, advisor here also at NTNU. And now she's responsible at the regional newspaper, which is called Andrese Avisen here in Trondheim. And she's responsible for a section that's called The Debate. And we got to know each other because we were both asked to actually help some uh, new PhD students to, to get better at their science communication. So welcome to the podcast, Andrea Tiltness. Thank you. <laughs> nice to have you here. Andrea, what gets you up in the morning? Maybe tell me a little bit who you are and what gets you up in the morning. Oh, oh my head wasn't there at all. I was straight into the how oh. to tell all these researchers uh, how to get their science out. What gets me up in the morning? People, people. That's the best thing I know. My uh, family and random people on the street. And uh, this other day I had to be uh, like dugnad. That's a big thing in Norway for uh, uh, my... Uh, my eldest is playing in this band, so I had to watch the door at the concert. You know, uh, to watch all these weird people. <laughs> Dugna is very, it's like you live somewhere and then you have to take, like, it's like service to the community, isn't it? That's yeah. what Dugna is. Yeah, is it it? yeah, in my old, like, uh, where, where we live with my girl girlfriend, uh, there we we had to come out every every two months or something to do something and to make the, the gardens nice and that kind of stuff. Yeah, very Norwegian. Um, but but also kind of nice, actually, because you get to know people that you would probably not see before, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Andrea, so today we're going to talk about newspapers and how research can be communicated in research and what researchers can actually do. But why is it actually, maybe, let's start with that. Why is it a good idea for researchers to get into newspapers and get their, get their word out there? There are several uh, reasons and uh, for, like, your own motivation maybe uh, in Norway we see very clearly that uh, the fields of research that people know about they get the most funding as simple oh, really as that. it's simple as that as, <laughs> as simple as that that is like the thing uh, uh, for uh, for you as the researchers yeah we we see that quite clearly that uh, the the fields that people know and uh, the decision makers know that's been talked about uh, it's easier to get funding that's uh, it is but but uh, that's the, probably not the the thing that 
any other journalist would say. <laughs> That's uh, the former communication advisor speaking. But then again, it is. Uh, uh, um, I think that it's uh, an obligation to to um, tell people about your research. Uh, in Norway, at least, at least uh, a lot of the funding is public funding. Uh, it's my tax money who pays for your research. And uh, the reason why is because we think that your research are important for us as a society. And I think it's an uh, obligation to also tell us in a mm. way that we understand why it's important and what my money is used for. Yeah. It's interesting because normally when I give talks or speeches, then I would always say, okay, it's, it's as you say, it's an obligation, it's taxpayer money. And if you want that your research has impact, then you should talk about it because then um, it will have impact. And also it it, it, uh, it feeds into your own career because if you are known, then you're more likely to, yeah, to get... Uh, Uh, to to be able to continue your research position, for example, or you you eventually become associate professor or professor. But I've never thought really about that. That you said that if you communicate your stuff, then your whole research field will actually get more money. That means that you are. This is another way of kind of perpetuating the opportunity to work in in that field, isn't it? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, no, really cool. That's another reason. I'm going to take that <laughs> to my next talk. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So the thing is, when, when you talk about science communication, as I just said in the beginning, is you can build your own reach or you can try to, to get into newspapers and use their reach. Um, what are the upsides? What are the downsides from, from the perspective of a researcher? Why, when would you say, okay, try to build up your own reach? And when would you say, yeah, try to get through newspapers? Or can you actually not say that because both is equally good and you should, as a researcher, try to, to get both? Yeah, I would say that uh, you would try to get both. And it's also, I think it's more about who you are and, and what kind of type you are. I had uh, uh, this uh, professor I was working with before who had an advice to go on Twitter. Who had he, not advice. He didn't like it. No, no uh, he, he, he uh, some other person advised him go to go on Twitter. Mm. And he just realized he had to go on Twitter. And it he he was not. He shouldn't be on Twitter. <laughs> I just had to advise him to stop mm. because that was not his uh, uh, his uh, field. But he was uh, brilliant in speaking with uh, uh, doing speeches uh, for uh, a lot of not only science conferences, but also a lot of public conferences like in his field and also speaking with media. Mm. He was really good at that, but he was not so good in running his own Twitter yeah. account. And and that would be different for another researcher and also varies a lot from field to field, actually. Why would you say it varies from field to field? In which field would it be more important to build your own region? In which field would it be more important to try to get uh, your word out through newspapers and, and public channels? I guess it... Uh, um, Uh, I don't know every research field so no, well. No, that's but, fine. <laughs> but, but in uh, some uh, some fields, there are a big culture for being on Twitter, for example, and then you will reach out to the people that's most important for you to reach out to there. And in other fields, there are not so many colleagues who are there, but there might be another place. And also, mm. um, we uh, we uh, where I used to work before, it was really important to, to reach out to decision makers and to... Uh, to, uh, I worked with exercise in medicine and to reach out to every organization who worked with uh, um, lifestyle diseases, worked preventive, uh, the diabetic uh, Diabetics, organization, yeah. mm. uh, stuff like that. And they were on Twitter. So we had this uh, research group account 
to try to uh, to make our research visible for uh, partners, uh, possible partners, and yeah, hmm. so kind uh, of varies. Yeah, it's, it's also interesting that you said it varies from field. I could also think that it probably also varies. Not just field, field to field, but also maybe in the geographic sense, because I had the feeling that in my field, uh, like the energy transition, when you take, when you look at these topics, there is they are way more talked about in the UK on Twitter, while in Germany ten years ago that was really not the case. So, it, so then it would probably be easier. I don't know if it would be easier if everyone already talks about it on Twitter, or if it's easier if no one talks about it, because then you get more visibility for your topic when it's growing. So maybe that's also not so easy to decide when to do what. Is it? No, it's not. No, it's not. And I saw the same when I worked. Uh, it's some years ago that in uh, the states they it were really active on Twitter. Mm. The other researchers in that field, but in Norway not so much. So, mm. so. Uh, Mm. It kind of depends. Yeah. So I think it's it's also with finding uh, finding what you think is fun and what you uh, yeah. feel that you're comfortable with and yeah. Like no, to do. and as you say, with, with this professor, if he or she was just not having fun or was just not good at it at Twitter, then that's definitely not the way to go, isn't it? That's what I also say in, in some like in my, my, my talks is, you know, there's four ways of how you can communicate anything online and that is written, that's audio, that's graphics and that's video. And you should really think about, okay, what is it, what you're best at, what just comes out flowing and then you should do that, isn't it? Yeah, and, and also the, uh, some of us think it's fun to be online uh, to answer stuff. And to be on and in a dialogue with people, and some people just log off when they're uh, with their family. Or mm. I, uh, I can do that as well. Like have some from that time to that time. But I'm on my phone. I can see that varies very with me and my colleagues. Uh, some of them are not. Uh, they don't find so much joy in arguing or re responding or interacting yeah. with the other people on Facebook or Twitter. And then that's okay too, isn't it? Yeah, we're yeah. different. Yeah, we're different. Oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. But it doesn't mean that it, there's uh, a communicating your science or not communicating your science. It's more about finding your way. Your way. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally uh, support that. So, Andrea, we're going to talk about two different type of topics in this podcast and we're already 10 minutes in but I'll probably put that into the beginning of the of the intro uh, so that people directly know what we are going to talk about more specifically and that is uh, what makes a good article in a newspaper and the second one is that uh, what reporters like when they get suggestions for articles and uh, you were so kind to provide me with some points um, so we, we're just going to write about uh, we're just going to talk about it so let's start with the section on what makes a good article in a newspaper and the first thing and it's, I think is really It's a no-brainer, but it, it totally makes sense that, that you mentioned it and that we talk about it now, and that is the article, when a journalist gets it, it would be good if it's well-written. Why is that, and how, how, how can articles be well-written? It is, uh, for me, like working in the debate section, I take text that you write and decide if I want to publish them or not, and maybe I give you some suggestion mm. on, how to, uh, on how to change it. Uh, and it's obvious that my... Uh, A loyalty as a journalist lies uh, with my readers. Mm -hmm. That's more more than you. As a <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my audience. I, I, I'm on work for the readers, and then it needs to be something that's worth reading. Yeah, people have. Uh, there's so much information out there. We can choose. Um, there's an overload, isn't it? Like it's you an can, overload, yeah. and and people don't want to use time read. Uh, think that's. Bad written, mm. and also um, 
um, you will make your point much more clearer and you will will make people understand what you want to tell them if it's well written. Yeah. But, so, yeah. yeah but how can something be well written or how can you learn or to to what is well written? And then also the wondering like, there's probably, no, that's a question I'll ask later. So under which circle, what makes a well written piece? Um, I uh, The language need to be um, like easy to read. Uh, a thing I see often with uh, researchers, but also some politicians or uh, or bureaucrats is that it's uh, in Norwegian at least people use too many words. <laughs> Telling things in a complicated way with mm. too many words. Mm. Just cut it down. Think, what are you trying to say? Mm. Don't use so long sentences and a lot of words. Cut it down to the core. What are you really trying to say? And research also shows that people think that they sound more intelligent. I was just thinking about that. Complicated yeah. language. Yeah. And uh, that's not. It's the total opposite. Every uh, like research on that show that people are making their language a little bit more complicated, using more complicated words. Yeah. And feels that they sound smart, mm. but for the reader, it doesn't sound smart because they might not understand totally what you meant. Yeah, it's hard to read. It's unengaging. Uh, and uh, if you have a clear, uh, easy to understand language, then you seem more intelligent. <laughs> All right. <laughs> when you when when you. Like I guess there's you know there's a million newspapers out there and there's million sections in these newspapers. So I th I was just I've just wrote down length of these kind of articles. Is there is, like how would you if you would be in the in the in the f in the shoes of a researcher? How would you go and find the section that you want to contribute to? And how would you find the person that you contact to in order to then maybe pitch an article? If you're going to to try to, I don't really know how. Uh, newspapers in other countries so That's well, fine. but in yeah. in Norway we are a newspaper country. We have so many newspapers, yeah, <laughs> very yeah. a lot of lo yeah. local newspapers, and you have the debate section where we take in text that mm. uh, somebody else has written. So researchers be, would always go into the debate section. They no, would not. No, no, no. no. But the, the, then at least in uh, in Norway we have this a little bit longer. That's very short text for researchers in like 4,500, 5,000 signs with mm. period. And then you have this even shorter that's uh, kind of a part of an ongoing debate. Yeah. Um, that can be really short. Mm. Yeah, I guess. So for today, for instance, there was this uh, debate about building a new campus. Then I had a researcher writing just a... Uh, very, very short. I th mm. think it was 2,000 signs with mm. period in both. Yeah. Do you, s do you feel that these researchers that write something with you, when they manage to write something that's well written and that gets to be published, does that have any repercussions on them? Do they get more visibility? Do they get more seen? Do, like, Is there anything that you could tell us like that you can really see that that stuff has impact, maybe on their life, but also obviously on the topic in itself? Yeah, it varies, but uh, of course, um, sometimes you get like an answer, or mm. can uh, or yeah. it or it can be um, also if you get a really well well written about if you have some new results and you write something that's well written and mm. good, and I want to take it in, I might uh, tell 
a news reporter and she might make a story that we can publish in the same time, the news mm. section, telling about your research. Uh, it can be picked up at the local radio station. Mm. Or Does it happen that do the ra- local radio stations sometimes li- look at what you publish and then take that, like to not to recycle it, but like take yeah. it as, as like an inspiration? Does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, cool. Happens. Yeah. Yeah. And also sometimes uh, uh, all our that varies a lot as well. But all our uh, our texts that we get in from others are not behind the paywall. So then you can also be mm. linked to from different from sites wherever. or blog or yeah. page oh, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I guess that's is, is your re, is your paper also um, like I feel it's it's a very it's a big challenge for the whole news media to like which articles do you put behind a paywall and which you don't. Um, but yeah, and yeah, obviously it makes sense to try to get something out that is not behind a paywall because then really people really get to read it much more easy, isn't it? Yeah. So you said an article needs to be well-written and the second one, you already mentioned it in what some of your sentences before, is like that it needs to be relevant. Can you can, Under which circumstances can news articles be relevant because I could think of a dimension. It's like could be politically relevant, it's the right time. It's like I don't know. Relevance seems so arbitrary on the one hand, but also so so engaging and catching because you need to hook it onto something, isn't it? Why does it need to be relevant? Um it needs to be relevant because you want people to prioritize to read it. Mm-hmm. Um so it needs uh needs to be relevant in the form of being something that people are talking about right now that can be one way of being relevant like yeah. uh, recently we had a lot of researchers writing about the situation in Ukraine mm. um hang it, yeah so they they're experts on that field uh, but also uh, we had this um, documentary going on about uh, a girl like a lot of years ago who was really mistreated like in this area and and we had a lot of debates uh, with researchers uh, in Trondheim saying could this be happening today how mm. would that girl be handled today uh, mm. what have we learned and then uh, several said that this would never happen today and and tomorrow we will have another story with other researchers saying uh, i'm not so sure this happens mm. today and In other settings, but it can still happen. It can still happen. So then we have different researchers in different kind of fields Mm. putting that story from a long time ago into a a research field on what do we do with... uh, with, uh, She she was deaf and not able to speak. Mm. What happened with those kids today? Yeah. Um, So then you get up a big... A big debate, mm. uh, and a lot of people here are doing research on that and have a lot of expertise on that. Mm. And then, then it gets relevant because of a TV yeah. show. So that's something. Suddenly, that research uh, is hyperactual in this. Uh, mm. Mm. Do you do you like? I could think that, for example, in the debate section that you that you're um, having there. Um, there is probably less interaction or like less comments than it would be on social media, but people, I guess, still have the opportunity to to comment on that. And is, is that being used? So you, can you see when we talk about relevance that some articles get way more um, way more comments than, for example, others? And then you see, ah, oh, this is something that's apparently st- touched upon something that's that's stirring in in society. Yeah, 
And it's not so easy to know, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could. I think that's the same thing with social media, though. You post something, you say this is going to work, yeah. then, and then like, oh, one like, yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to know uh, some things. We, we, uh, yeah, we know and we have some kind of feeling, of course. Uh, but it's hard to know sometimes things like that. We can mm. really know. There was one, one. Uh, politician who wrote about that documentary and mm. then we just had it rolling mm. we couldn't know that yeah you didn't know that this would no. be such a hot thing no yeah 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 how do you know yeah so now we had first well written then relevant and now the third one is something surprising and when i read that uh, i was like ah yeah is this how the media circus runs that you always need something surprising to catch someone's attention No, it doesn't always need to be, but um, I think uh, people are reading a lot. As we talked about earlier, there are this information overload. It's maybe, overload is maybe not the right word. Is it just competition? Could we say that? Yeah, There's competition like, as well. Yeah. As, so if you get this, um, if you write like a lot of articles about your research and you write it in a certain way over and over and over mm. again, people will get a feeling that they have written it before, even if they ha haven't. So if you try to write in... Mm in a bit of a different way. Mm. And p researchers also do that. They look, everybody does that, look at what, look at the text as a published in that newspaper mm. before and kind of copies. So maybe if you try to get, do it in a different way, a surprise, so it can be a surprise in uh, the way things are written or if you make a video the way you put it. Mm. Or it can be a surprising way of putting your arguments, for instance, mm. or putting... Um, uh, putting your research in, in like a surprising setting in a way. Or how could that look like? Yeah, how could that look like? I should have been thinking a bit more about that before <laughs> <laughs> showing up here. <laughs> I know. Uh, but yeah, you also have this. Um, I like using Maybrit Moser as an example. That's a person. Uh, Uh, Maybrit Moser, yeah, she, she Maybrit and Edward Moser is. Uh, they oh, they are. Ah, they, they uh, wait, wait, wait. Nobel Peace, Nobel Prize. Uh, not no, Nobel Peace Prize. No, but not but Nobel, Nobel Prize in medicine. medicine. Yeah, here yeah. at Antinou, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here at Antinou, yeah. they're yeah. Uh, they're working on uh, uh, they're on brain cells and um, and they are. Not, she she has never been afraid of using visual pictures on. On her research, and they are doing ground research, mm. like basic research. Um, and the latest thing I saw was this newspaper article some weeks ago, and then she had this big uh, ring that you use in a pool like to kids, swim. Or like, to swim. Yeah, I've seen that too. Yeah, yeah. but what? And what, she brought it, and she had, uh, she brought it, and that was a picture on like some kind of uh, thing she has found in the brain. Um, and she had it with her when she was meeting the journalist. And you have this picture of this uh, one of the best uh, uh, researcher in her field in the world with this toy for Plastic children. Plastic thing, yeah. But that sticks. That's surprising. Yeah. That's surprising. It makes a different image in the mm. newspaper than you expect to see. Mm. And it also it's a good good uh, picture on her research and. But people understands it and they mm. also remembers it. Yeah, yeah. That's It's, an element of surprise. Yeah, I like it. Like I like the idea. No, that, that's really cool. Yeah, I was just 
Maybe, yeah, maybe I should also ask her uh, eventually to come on this podcast. That would be fun. Let's yeah. see what we could talk about. Because these kind of examples, I love it because that's that's something where you co you connect emotion to to the reader, or you give the reader the opportunity to feel something. And when they feel something, or and if it's just surprise, you know, it that's a good thing. It's it's a positive feeling, I guess. Then then when when this person ever con comes into contact back to something with that's brain related or whatever then they think of that back and they re re remember you um and that they learn something in that instance yeah i know now this is cool that's a good a good idea I like that's a, that's a good picture to have uh, in the head thanks for sharing that and i don't i don't think you should bring an element of surprise only to do it it needs mm. to have some function or yeah 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 or be yeah yeah No, no. Actually related. To yeah, yeah, not just time. always to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Now we had this first section of uh, uh, what makes a good article in the newspaper, and that was it. It's good if it's well written. It's good if it hooks up to something that's relevant or that makes this article relevant. And then if it has some kind of nuance of surprising in there, um, yeah, beautiful. So that's these the, the three first points. And now we go into the second section, and that is uh, what reporters actually like when they get suggestions for articles. So how can you make it? Make it make it maybe easier for them to realize that this is this is a golden nugget that they should not let slip through their uh, through their fingers. So, and the first one that you suggested here, Andrea, is uh, news. <laughs> so, so that the, the so that the new reporter um, gets right away what's the new thing here. Why is that important? I think it's pretty obvious, but like I'm just gonna ask you anyways. Like, why is that? Why is that key? I think it's funny that you say that it's pretty obvious because when we yeah. get. Uh, get like when I was working with researchers who's trying to get a message into journalists or also and also when I'm sitting on the other side mm. uh, it doesn't seem to be always <laughs> that okay. obvious yeah. <laughs> so um, my the one who's the one reporter in our newspaper that works most with um, with the research uh, she says the Uh, news, like in results, mm. are way more interesting than we are starting this project. Yeah. So it's often very, uh, very, yeah. very uh, uh, researchers want to tell that we are starting this project, uh, something. And it's interesting in some way, but not enough to make a news article about people are starting stuff all the time. Then when you have some results that are actually um, meaningful, in people's life, then you have a news story. Yeah, no, I get mm. it. Like when I give talks, I try to tell them, uh, participants to, to start early communicating about their things so that they're visible on social media and can be found so that, so that they just communicate um, that they are working on this particular thing. But I totally see that in terms of research, uh, in terms of articles in newspapers, it doesn't make sense, as you said, to, uh, to say, we start a new project on the deployment of uh, solar photovoltaics in southern southern Norway. Let's put it like that. It's like, that's like, why would any any journalist write about something there? Because there's like no news. There's no, as you said, no nothing is really relevant because no one really found anything. And yeah, you can make it as nicely written as you want. There's like still nothing to find, is it? Yeah. No, but it can be. I I, I really support you in try to tell about what you're doing along along the way. But yeah. that might not be the most uh, sexy pitch for a newspaper. Yeah. But it it can be important to to do it anyway. In mm. your own channels and yeah. Mm. Yeah. So the second point is after after making sure that the, the reporter sees what's new, is uh, that this point can be 
caught fastly? So because they read a lot of emails, or why is that? Yeah, um, like a, a journalist's day, like most news journalists at least, are really, really busy. So you need to catch their attention fast. Chuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really la 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 la. I, I and my colleague named this in this. And then you always have these really long titles on all your projects and all your universities. And then, uh, then the... Then he needed to go into a meeting, mm. and he didn't even really read your email. So, just uh, find a catchphrase that uh, catches the interest and tell what this is about mm. at the first. And that's uh, uh, researchers are used to like writing down their. You start with your problem, and then you have your introduction, mm. and then your conclusion comes at the end. So mm. just flip it around. And that can be a. Um, a tip for if you're writing as well, flip it around. Start with the conclu- uh, like start with the conclusion. Just mm. flip around your sketches. That's often works. Yeah, it's funny because that you mentioned that because uh, in episode twenty, I think it was, uh, together with Mark Bayer, he's what he said is like uh, people, uh, normal people don't really care about all the history. They want to get the preview right then, right there, and they want to know what's what's new and what's catchy, and no one cares about. All the stuff that you really did, they want to have. They want to know what kind of potential impact that could have on their life. And this is really pretty much what you just said, isn't it? It's like, yeah, bring bring it on first. Oh, isn't it also like this idea of like the flip presentation? So you, when you present something, not in the context of newspapers, but in the context of presentations at conferences or wherever, that you start, as you said, with the fir- the last slide first, so that people actually know where this is going to, and. Uh, don't maybe get lost in translation, as this this movie was was uh, was called, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I totally agree. <laughs> Super yeah. good. Yay. <laughs> so the third point, after showing that there is news in there and also getting the uh, the reporter to catch the point fast, is something what is Norwegian, what you wrote here, and that is forenkle ikke for dumme, something like that. What does that mean? Uh, can you say it in real Norwegian before? Because my Norwegian is, yeah, is, um, just getting there eventually. What does it mean? It means, oh, uh, what it means, it's forenkle, ikke fordumme. It means, like, simplify without making it uh, naive or stupid. Mm-hmm. Or, and that I think that's all, always uh, balance there. Researchers uh, think it, it can can find it hard to simplify things because... We like don't like to do that because no. it is complex systems that we look at, and then when I get this comment, it loses yeah, details yeah. and it loses um, uh, variation, and it doesn't get so specific. Mm. Because if you're going to have it so specific that you feel that the sentence gets very long with a lot of words, <laughs> here we come back to the long sentences, <laughs> yeah. huh? Yeah, and it's possible to to simplify uh, without making it. Like you're talking to But children. I think that's that's almost an art, isn't it? Like yeah. To, it's not that easy. No, it's not easy. Uh, but it's a very uh, useful uh, practice to do it even if you're not trying to sell it into a journalist because if you're uh, not able to explain to your neighbor what you're really working with, do you really understand it yourself? <laughs> Yeah. To get on that philosophical yeah, yeah. corner of it, but I, I think that every researcher should be able to explain if somebody asks at a party. For sure. What are you like, doing? Yeah. You should be able to explain it to whoever. 
and it's okay to have a uh, what do you say a plastic a plastic toy with you but like the the the, the Nobel prize winner um but maybe also that yeah i think that's like that's the basics you should be able like how will you ever communicate your stuff if you don't even know how to explain it to a 10 year old i guess yeah, yeah. i think i think it's a good exercise for every researchers and and um yeah it, to really understand i i've been talking to researchers that i that have been trying to explain what they are doing and at, mm. so, at some points i think i don't really know that you if you really understand what you're doing yourself or mm. what what you're so into it that you're not able to see how it's relevant or not relevant for a greater public public uh, no. population yeah, yeah. cool yeah andrea so these were the six points that we had written down but i have one more question and that is um in marketing, there is this concept called social selling. And that means that you try to build up a relationship with your prospect if you want to sell something to that prospect. And in a way, when you're a researcher and you try to get an, an article maybe published in a newspaper, it's also a bit of selling because you have to convince the reporter or the journalist that this is valuable stuff and that this should be out there. Do you see that that, that is also an element? Like if I would ask you now for... Like, you know, if I would ask you, hey, here, I have something, would you mind having a look at it? Would you look at it in a different way than if it would just come through through an email because we have a relationship now yeah. while others don't have a relationship maybe? So would that be something, would you would you advise for researchers to maybe try to build up a relationship with reporters and journalists? Or do you think it's really not relevant when they do, when they follow all the other six suggestions that uh, we, we talked about in the last minutes? Uh, no, I I really would like to say that it, didn't matter mm. because that's the purest and <laughs> that's how purest it should be. <laughs> thing. That's how it should be. <laughs> yeah. But of course, relations counts always. Mm. Human beings are social creatures, and uh, of course, uh, it matters. And also, uh, there are also a, a, an element of making it easy to say yes. What, what do you mean with that? Like if you um, say, "I have this story. I can meet you from that that point." Just make it easy uh, I have these pictures or mm. it, it is possible to take pictures mm. there or uh, make it easy to to be something to say yes or no um, because uh, the thing with time if you expect people to just I give you a little bit of a hint and then you have to do all this research that's hard it isn't it? it's yeah. hard it takes it, it takes too much yeah. time um, and of co course when I know that okay that uh, that person, if I need uh, a story on that, or I I feel he, this research, he might know something about that. And I know that if I call, he say yes. He will say yes if he have time. He will say no. He, it's easy to mm, to have to interact. Mm, interact. Mm. Then it's more likely that I will call back later. Mm. And give That's this person more visibility. Yeah. Yeah. Before we before we started um, actually really recording this episode, you, you told me a little story about oh that you have. The feeling that other people have the feeling that there's always the same people in newspapers and on on on, on the TV in Norway, but that's probably also the same case in uh, in other countries. And you think that that's because researcher uh, journalists and reporters kind of know that they are getting good content from these people and that these people can talk straight out. For example, when it comes to TV, and that's so that they know what they're going to get if they call these people. But this that this also has some kind of implication that always the same people are being asked. Yeah, 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 absolutely. 
Um, and it's also there are several what you just said. If you know that that person can deliver on TV, it's easier to to call that person than someone you don't know. And mm. you don't know if and you have to take will, a risk, isn't it? That's a risk, yeah. especially if, it, if it's direct, direct TV or direct radio. Mm. You need to have uh, someone you, uh, if it's possible to have someone you know that can deliver, saying something about this, you will, you will choose that. And also, you have an element of people. Um, if I call you asking, uh, we need someone to say about that energy transition thing whatever it is that's yeah. your field uh, yeah. th- I can see that's your field uh, can I have an interview with you about that and mm-hmm. you said no there's this guy in Bergen who knows a little bit more about this than me and then uh, the guy in Bergen this I've been on this round so many times there's uh, this guy, this lady in Stavanger who knows a little bit more about this oh, than yeah. me and then you get on this round and then it takes a lot of time for you takes isn't it a lot of time instead and of it, just having someone who, where you know This person knows enough and delivers. (laughs) He knows enough about this. Uh, And it's like uh, my husband said, he's also a journalist. uh, We need to have someone who can say something about this now in a short amount of time. So it's better to have someone who can say something that's good enough now than someone who can say something that's brilliant in a week because the story is gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then is yeah, yeah. Is it then burned? Isn't it? I heard that this is uh, uh, this is an adjective that's sometimes used in at least in, in the German uh, media cycle. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. And, and that's a uh, that's um uh re- like researchers have a different relation to time than journalists mm. because you have the story now today tomorrow yeah. there's another story. But researchers uses years on their yeah. That's uh, interesting that you actually bring it up. I can totally follow that because yeah. In, in research, you you ask for a project. It takes three quarters of a year until it's granted or not granted. Then it takes half a year until it starts, and then it takes three or four years, depending. And you people, you researchers, uh, you you journalists have some like you something lands on your table, and you have to make content about, around that within I don't know five hours, maybe, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It varies, of course, but uh, for most news journalists, yes, mm. uh, and that can be a lot of misunderstandings there both ways. Mm. Uh, we also have a lot of news journalists uh, calling, uh, having an expectation that you you're working with energy transition. It will it has to be possible for you to answer this now. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily. It, you might need a couple of hours to to, <laughs> yeah. to figure it out or yeah. and so to also be able to say so something that your colleagues will not. Uh, like take you apart in a, in a second because you were not precise enough or whatever. Yeah. 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 Or or even just. Uh, to read up a little bit so mm. so it's um and then again uh, i had this uh phd who asked me when i was working uh, at Antenu if he should ye- say yes or no to an interview about something that was a little bit beside his research uh, like not what he was doing his phd on and i said yeah you know way more it, or way enough. more mm. than uh, the most people about this so if you're comfortable with that do that mm. and then I met him later in the day and I was like did you do the radio interview and he was no he hasn't decided yet and I was like that radio show is over <laughs> yeah so that's the ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, and I also had journalists calling me asking uh, do you have a researcher in your group who can answer this it's not urgent we don't need it until uh, we we need it at uh, twelve. That was like two hours. It's not urgent. Uh, no, okay. that that was not urgent in his uh, sense or like sense yeah. of time. Yeah, yeah. 
And for, for researchers, was, that's I, like uh. <laughs> that's this. Yeah. I, I I was not sure if I were able to get. I had a couple of researchers who could answer that questions, mm. and one of them were at a conference in the states. It was not. It was not a time zone. Yeah, so. maybe sleeping still or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so it's both ways um, can be like misexpectations when it comes to time. Yeah. No, I think we we didn't we did not talk about this. Before, so this is actually not part of of the uh, of the of the uh, of the structure of today's podcast. But I really appreciate that we actually talked about this because I think this, as you said, there might be a lot of misconceptions from the other side either way, and that probably then yeah has has an has implications for how to get research out, or also for scientists, uh, also for journalists to find the right scientist uh, or researcher to who could actually say something. So um, thanks for bringing this up, actually, Andrea. Cool. We're actually coming to an end. So, uh, Andrea, if people want to reach out to you, where can they find you and how can they find you? They can find me at the uh, Adresseavisen. Yeah, they will find my email address. Yeah, cool. My and first I'm... name, my second name. <laughs> Adresseavisen. Uh, with a dot in between? Yeah. Yeah, with a dot. Okay, cool. And I'll put this obviously into the show notes and I'm also going to put your link to the, the link to your LinkedIn account into the show notes. Is that okay? That's perfect. Super okay. good. Thanks for joining me today, Andrea. Thanks for inviting me. All right, folks, that's it for today's episode of the Science Communication Accelerator podcast. I would be really happy if you would tell one colleague or one friend about this podcast so that we can grow the science communication community even further. And obviously, I would be really happy if you are on Spotify, for example, that you give this episode a five-star rating. That would be awesome. All right, all the best to you. And I'm looking forward to have you back tuning into this podcast next week. So take care until then. Bye bye.